0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Alright friends, welcome back to the show. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Vane Hank. <laughs> Our guest today is, try again Avery. Vane hey! Hang... <laughs> he also goes by the name Fate Heygood. Uh, we recorded this a while ago and we're just now getting it posted. <laughs> Uh, I guess it was just uh, fate to last this long. So, anyway, here's Fate. You're going to love this conversation. But before we get to Fate Hagen, let me tell you about our sponsor today. Our sponsor is. Alan, <laughs> what is our sponsor? Um, I forgot. <laughs> okay, let me tell you what you shouldn't forget: it's Podbean, an all-in-one podcast publishing and hosting platform. Podbean offers the easiest way to get started in podcasting as well as enhanced features to take your podcast to the next level. Their new mobile app, which is for Android and iOS, allows podcasters to record and publish podcasts right from their phone. Podbean has been a great friend to me with host this podcast. It hosted the podcast for the church I was a part of before. And if you are a Bible class teacher, uh, you run any curriculum that you want to get disseminated out easily and quickly, Podbean is a way to make that happen. So go to podbean.com backslash newsworthy for more. Yeah, that's the name of my podcast. All right. You're putting let's, it on. Yeah, we're. What do you think I was called? I thought it was called 18. No, it's called Newsworthy <laughs> it with Norisworthy. Oh, and here's the episode, Fate Hagen. Oh, yeah. It's Thanks, Lucy. girls. All right, yeah. All right, friends. We've got our old friend, Fate. Welcome back, man. Glad to be back. You, um, how, how many have we done? Like, three? Is this the third one? I don't know. I, I feel like we've done a couple. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Did... I feel like I should know this answer. Anyway, hey, thank you for being back on, man. Absolutely. Um, we're in L.A. right now, Malibu. Yep. This is like your world. Like, you came to Texas last time. Right. You're on my turf. <clears throat> right. Now I'm on your turf. Right. Um, like, how's Malibu treating you? Malibu's good. Uh, you know, the weather's great. You know, it's L.A., God's country. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get your sh- uh, stand-up paddle boarding in this morning? Yeah, I don't paddle board. You it. don't? No. No. Okay. No. Uh-uh. I did get in the water this morning. Did you? It's cold. <laughs> I know it is. I don't know so. if you know that. <laughs> I do. Okay, so we're here at the, <clears throat> the lectures, and yeah. um, I knew you had a lecture coming up this week about um, 10 things, I, I wish... 20 th- things. 20 things, okay. I, I knew there was a, a high number. I didn't think it was that high. Yeah. <laughs> 20 things you wish white church... It?
1: Well, it's, it's 20 things black Christians wish, white Christians knew, and vice versa.
0: Okay. So I knew that was your topic, like what what you wish the the black Christian, white Christians would know. And I knew that, and then I get a text from you a couple days ago, and it says, Luke, can I show a picture of you during my presentation? Right. And my first thought was, is this an example of white people that don't know what they need to know? Not at all. Oh, come (laughs) Not at all. Uh, What what I'm going
1: to do is, um, at the beginning, I'm going to show several pictures, um, and one of them is a comparison of how preachers looked then to how preachers look now. That's all
0: Wait, and, so I don't look like a preacher used to look? No What? No <laughs> Not at all <laughs> Okay, because when you preached at, at, in Austin Sure You look great Thank you People after seeing you dress don't say, Luke, you look great a- after that oh, So sure they don't <laughs> I feel like you should have done the solid and warned me Hey, Luke, if you're going to bring me out, I'm going to look this good <laughs> Wow I feel like I should have gotten that warning. <laughs> no. They loved you. People loved you at our church. It was fun. I enjoyed being there. Good people. Um, I, I, I think I said this the week after. Someone amen. I was like, oh, this is one of fate's friends. They stayed over. Because <laughs> nice. when I preach, I don't get those amens. Um, but when you do, I don't. is there some trick that I could learn to kind of get people to like my preaching as much as they like yours?
1: I, I, maybe they feel sorry for me <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay but here's one thing you did though You started off We have two services Sure uh, We have three actually But we, uh, South Church And you were gone by then The um, South Church The third service in the evening Right uh, You were on a, a bus Yes At that point Which is a whole other podcast <laughs> For another time Sure um, You started off singing in first service Yeah I feel like if I had that in my bag of tricks people, It would work <laughs> <laughs> but, but you can actually sing. Well,
1: I've been singing since I was seven. Yeah, seven years old.
0: How often do you pull that out of your bag of tricks? We sing all the time. That's but like with a microphone on stage, do you sing every week? Sure, yeah. Man, I don't have that. <laughs> do, you lead, do you lead like the, the singing worship part?
1: No, no. Our, our worship leader, Darren Jones, uh, uh, leads worship. Um, he and the praise and worship team. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I usually sing before I before I preach because we have a a time of fellowship before I preach, and um everybody's milling around. Yeah, and I sing so they can go back to their seats.
0: You see, I just I just make smart of comments <laughs> no. during that time. That's the difference. But I saw a move you did at uh, at the lectures last year, two years ago, when you were a keynoter. Sure, where you had your guy who was y- your group was. Leading the worship time. Right. And then, like, they sang you onto the stage. And I was like, yeah. oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get that. Like, I, I want that. Like, <laughs> sing me on the stage, man. Absolutely. There's, like, some love there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so let's talk about what, because I'm not going to be at your lecture on Friday. Okay. Uh, my girl's going to be here, and, and they want to do Disney. Absolutely. Not, Disney trumps me. Uncle Fate doesn't, doesn't carry the no, same weight. No, not that at all. Disney Go see does. the mouse. Yeah, that. sorry, you, you <laughs> lost it. They liked you when you were in Austin. Sure, but, uh, it's still the mouse. Yeah, you're not going to win that. Uh, uh, all right, so here's one of the things about talking about race issues. Sure. Some people go, why are we still talking about this? Like, sure. Like we get <clears throat> white people have not always been good to people of color, and we're really sorry about that. And let's just move forward. Why do we need to keep talking about this issue? Sure. What's wrong with that? Why? Well, we can
1: pretend that uh, things are over, that uh, things have, I don't know, disappeared or something. But the fact is that uh, there are still misunderstandings between the two people groups. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when it comes within our context of Christianity, there are assumptions made, and I feel on both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we're also the victim of years and years of certain rhetoric and and quick quotes that don't do fairness to either group. So, for example, um, we've heard forever, you know, you know, 10 o'clock Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in the country. Mm-hmm. And um, people extrapolate from that. Well, therefore, uh, you know, every white church should be integrated and every black church should have white people in it and blah, 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 blah. Well, is, uh, do we really? I mean, is that really what that means? Uh, uh, or is there some deeper issues? Yeah. So, and I think we need to talk about those. So,
0: Okay, so... You said uh, assumptions both ways Absolutely I think everyone would go Yeah White people have Wrong assumptions about People of color About black people Sure Um, I don't see it as much I wouldn't see it as a Two-way street as much But you The way you just described it Said it's a two-way street Absolutely
1: Absolutely Uh, Well let me give you some Uh, uh, Many black people Think about white people Uh, White people are always on time (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, those white people don't go to the church I'm a part of. Well, well, that uh, first song sure doesn't seem like that's the case at the church I'm a part of. Well, you know, that's an assumption. You, I had a buddy who grew up um, in LA. Uh, there's a stereotypically Hispanic part near Compton. Uh, I, I don't. I forget the name of the place where he grew up. Anyway, by East LA. Probably something like that He moves uh, to Dallas He's part of the church that I'm a part of outside of Dallas Okay And so he said um, I, I, He didn't grow up around any, A lot of white people And right. so we got to be friends As he's going through school there Becomes part of this church and he goes Luke I used to think that white people Are always just after my money
1: That's interesting
0: and I thought Oh That sucks man Yeah I'm sorry <laughs> Like my bad But yeah um, And that, that doesn't help anyone To carry no. around that stuff No um, I saw Ruby Bridges. Wasn't she the, the first person who's part of an integrated church, or a, in a church? Yeah, she was school. near the first.
1: I don't think she was what? exactly the first, but she was the most publicized.
0: Okay, but the, the, the first person uh, of color who is integrated into a, a white school yeah. is like 60 years old right now. Right. Which, like, that's not that, that old. No, it's not. No, like, so that, <clears throat> to say that we don't need to talk about that forgets right. the fact that, that happened just like six decades right. ago.
1: There are people alive here who are her contemporaries.
0: There are people who are a part of the church I'm a part of who grew up in an environment where it was normal to say, sorry, that water fountain is not for Negroes. Absolutely. As a 35-year-old, I'm just going, that's a different world than the one I'm a part Absolutely. of. Absolutely. But it's not. like that's, that's right around. Well,
1: we don't believe we can divorce ourselves from our history or our pain Mm -hmm. we believe it it informs us and it it shapes our narrative so for us to not talk about it is for us to ignore a lot of things about who we are yeah um yeah and you're talking about 60 years ago um i could tell you stuff from 20 years ago Hmm. so you know it's it's For us not to discuss things becomes really unfair.
0: Yeah. There was a um, a project that Harvard did. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but the uh, implicit bias test, where you basically make split-second judgments uh, associating a face with either a positive or a negative word. Yes. And I took that not too long ago. Oh, wow. And I, do you remember our friend Sean, Sean yes. Adams? Yes, He calls me while I'm taking it. And he goes, Luke, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I'm just seeing how racist I am. Um, <laughs> That's funny. But I took the test, and it said that I had a slight bias towards, towards white people. And so for me to say racism shouldn't be talked about, it happened back 60 years ago or 20 years ago. I need to go, look what's right in front of you, Luke. Like if you deal with those implicit sort of uh, associations that you make right now, uh, you got work to do yourself. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a whole lot
1: of uh, people who say, you know, we should just get over it and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sure, in some ways, everybody needs to do that. We just find it interesting that the Jews are never told, yeah, Holocaust thing. Get over it. Yeah, let's just move on from that. Um, Why do we need a
0: museum? <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Like, if, that, if something happened to my daughter, right? One of my kids, uh, they had a traumatic incident that happened to them. I wouldn't say just get over it. No, nope. I mean we would talk about it. I mean, we. I have friends. I, I see my buddy Josh Ross. I mean, who's staying in this room with me? They had. A, they lost a. He lost a sister. And every year they, they remember and they talk about the the grief they've gone through and, uh, to, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then what is it to not forget about it? Okay. That's, that's off the table. What are healthy ways for both people of color and white people, um, to remember what's happened, to acknowledge the the sins that have been committed and the, the pain and the hurt that has been experienced?
1: Wow. um, I think respect and love. There needs to be a lot of respect and love. um, And acknowledgement of one another's implicit need for God. That all of us have this need for God as our creator. And that without him... We can't if we kind of start there with respect and love and pointing toward God, I think that begins the, the healing process. The problem is is that we don't want to speak any truth in that matter. Hmm. you know we don't want to talk truth you know about what's, what's really our
0: pain. Um, what, what do you think the truth of what our pain really is?
1: Well, it, that's a complex question mm-hmm. but I've learned that we are not the same.
0: Okay, explain.
1: Um, in America, we are taught that everyone's the same. And sometimes even in scripture, we believe it's saying we're all the same. Well, I guess as basic human creatures, we are the same. But experientially, we are not the same. Mm-hmm. And My perspective is going to be significantly skewed because I'm looking at you thinking you automatically are what I am, and you're not. Mm -hmm. You don't see like I do. You don't hear like I do. Um, And if I don't respect that, I'll never get to really see you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I'm actually just loving an image of you. Or even hating, or I'm actually just hating an image of you. Yeah. I'm not really uh, uh, knowing you because I think you're, you're me. So I'm judging you. I'm saying, well, well. When this happens, they see this all just like I do. For instance, uh, there was a young man that just died uh, uh, in Texas. Oh, I forget his name. I think his name was Jordan. It's
0: the kid. Yeah. In Dallas. In Dallas. Mesquite High School.
1: Yes. You know, he's a 3.5 student. 3.8, something like that student. Um, and he was shot and murdered. Um, see, for us, the idea that he was murdered um, is the right language.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, our pain has taught us we don't trust authority of the policemen to do their job in the way that they say they're going to do it. When others see that, they will ask, well, why were they backing out? Why, why were they backing out from the party? Um, you know, why didn't they just stop when they saw the police? So they're thinking, well, the policeman had a right to shoot into this car of children. Where we say, we automatically don't say whether or not he was right or not. Our first inclination is he does not value the life of these young black boys or else he would have found any other way if his life is not being threatened to stop this situation. Hmm. But if I don't understand that, that you may not see it like me, that doesn't make you a bad person, it means you don't see it like me. And so I may disagree with you, mm-hmm. but at least I can now talk to you instead of me thinking you're a, a dirty liar. Yeah, You know this, you just hate me. You see, that yeah. all
0: of a sudden that informs everything I think about it, you. It changes. So- To say that we're all the same disrespects the experiences that you've had that I've had. So there's the debate in the world of psychology of nature versus nurture. Absolutely. But what I think everyone would agree on is that your nature and your nurture affects you. Absolutely. And so if we all have the the same image of God inside of us, but we've been nurtured by different ways that a broken world is experienced. Absolutely. Causes us to have different experiences. Absolutely. And I I think that's it. That example, I think, is 100% consistent. The typical white response is, let's find all the facts, the truth will come out, and we we can trust whatever the verdict is. Um, uh, Another friend of mine uh, of color said, there's a thing that goes off in the back of my head, a a, a bell that starts ringing going, this doesn't seem right, this is not going to end with the truth being something that, that we all have access to. No. Is there a... Is there a better way than just sitting down and listening to other people's story uh, to help you understand the, sure w- w- what are ways that we do that Live together live together
1: yeah, yeah interact yeah. but not but you have to do it in some way that is not staged like
0: with microphones in front of you well I'm not talking about this, <laughs> <laughs> this particular situation
1: <laughs> I'm saying that that if we don't hang out a lot, mm-hmm. walk together a lot, you won't get my humanity, and I won't get yours. Yeah. You're a caricature.
0: Okay, so I, I, I'm I, learning that the different experience that a black person has with police than me, Like that's one thing that's clearly different. Um, as someone who has... Friends and family Which I'm sure you have Friends who are in Law enforcement as well Sure And uh, Different experience For that What do you think y- You're going to say also That 20 things you think The black church needs to know About the white ch- Or white Christians And vice white, versa yeah, yeah. What are you going to say That the black <clears throat> Christians Need to know about White Christians
1: They love Jesus just as much
0: Hmm Is there a question about that? Absolutely How is that what is the language that's used that articulates the idea that white Christians don't love Jesus as much?
1: Okay, well, um, how about this? Um, how can something happen to your brother or sister and you don't mention it in your church? If do you do you, do you if 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 in Austin? Uh, 10 black, 10 white boys were shot by policemen. Do you believe that the preachers would say nothing about it that following Sunday? Would, would they not mention it? Would they not start having prayer vigils and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Well, see, when that doesn't happen, um, when it happens to your brothers who are black, how can you love Jesus and not love me? How can you love Jesus whom you have not seen
0: but you don't love the brother that you do see. You don't right love the running. brother you see. Yeah, that's kind of in that book that, that we've read. Um, <laughs> and so it, it feels that way when, yeah. when you don't express that. Sure. What,
1: or, or, or uh, you know, on a, which I, the funny thing, which I really thought this class was going to be about on a much more superficial level. <laughs> Things like, uh, uh, how, can you, how can you love Jesus and not give him your best on Sundays?
0: Are you going to talk about my clothes again? Is this what you Yes, you're going? I am. Come on. <laughs>
1: okay, let's go there. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I mean that is a that is just a cultural thing, but that that believe me that is no longer the major focus in African American churches cuz you know, we just all dress all over the place anyway. Yeah. But that that would be that, you know, how are you going to, you know, you don't even call God God. Call him daddy. And daddy, how can you pray to daddy and not ex- respect God? And
0: Yeah you know and be like wait that does but that story you can make that makes sense like it, if you if you come from a perspective that sees that as like degrading or right. downplays the, uh, the in the old sense of the word awesome the, the truly awesomeness right. of God the creator and sustainer of the universe but th- that's what you're saying like if you, if you don't share time together you see that right. you interject your narrative and you go okay well you're disrespectful um uh, I was going to say you don't show up on time. That's not the stereotype about white people. I no, was No, that's our stereotype. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we we already know the, the church will not
1: be full until the third song.
0: I, I was going to say our church has a whole lot more black people than I thought, if that's the case, because we have a lot of people on BP time. So, uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But, yeah, like, you can easily insert those. Right. Our our friend Richard Beck talks about, like, relational tether. Yeah. And he used a metaphor of if you've got a buddy who's a waiter, and he shows up and just does a horse. Did you ever wait tables? No. Okay. You were a teacher. Yes. That, that's... <laughs> That's more stressful than a waiter. I was a waiter. Uh, but if your buddy's a waiter and he does a bad job, like right. the drinks don't come out for 10 minutes and then your food comes out uh, before the appetizer and doesn't keep your drinks full, you know what you're going to do? Nothing. It's your buddy. You're like, you know what? He's just having a rough night. Right. I, I care about him. If it's someone that I don't know, if it's some girl like, oh, I've never seen her before in my life, you're calling the manager over, you're right. wanting money taken off your tab, like you're Right. because you don't have a relational tether when you have the understanding that like we're all in this together you give people more margin
1: absolutely absolutely and that that's, that's when I say spending time together mm-hmm. if I if you know if you don't have um, any white friends or 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 black friends you know or or whatever you, you know in our country because this that is a primary problem then you really won't be able to, because then all, all we can discuss is our pain. Yeah. You know?
0: It's like, it's like in a marriage, if you're never communicating uh, until there's a fight. Absolutely. And the only thing you hear from them is, oh, I'm upset with you, and this is how you're letting me down, and this is how you're not doing a good job, because that's the only, only chance to vent. Right. So I know I'm doing a marriage series, and you t- posted something on Facebook, probably like, a year, eight or nine months ago, where uh, and I'm ripping this off, and so this is me giving you credit. So I don't have to say in the service, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but you said something about um, people think uh, I'm not getting enough. This is obviously a paraphrase, but I'm not getting what I want out of my spouse, and so instead of having that attitude, you should have the attitude: How can I best serve you and present you? To absolutely, something like that. And I thought, oh, that's that's very insightful. Absolutely, so, thank you. I'm going to steal that in the next few weeks. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Okay, so so back to the conversation about okay, know the stories, spend time, listen. What are other stereotypes that you think, or other stories that Black Christians you think need to know about White Christians?
1: Well, let me see. Um, two things. Well, first, I want to piggyback off your marriage analogy. If if you want to understand, and I don't know if this is true, but this is a, how how Black people may feel in your analogy. In your in your marriage analogy, the the, the analogy with this. You married me by breaking into my dad's house, knocking me over the head, dragging me out of the house. It's not good. <laughs> you see? You say, not, it's not going good I right wake now. up, I can't leave this marriage. You've told me every time I want to leave, you beat me. And if I get caught leaving, you'll shoot me. Mm-hmm. And then when something, then we have like 10 years of really good and you ask me why I don't trust you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to even, you know, be in this relationship like this. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: okay, but the response is, but that wasn't me. That was, that was well before I got here, and that, that wasn't...
1: Sure looks like the same person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the, you say one of the things, I was just, because you had said that. Yeah. Uh, another thing, um, I guess... Uh, let, the, let me, me piggyback
0: on that. I think this is Randy Harris, but... Um, it's, it's like if you started a baseball game, right? and the rule in the baseball game was, you know what, uh, you get seven strikes, and you only get one ball, and that's how the game's going to go. And so you, you're the visiting team, so you bat first, and those are the rules. Seven strikes uh, before you get out, one, and then you get a, a walk. Right. And you play under those rules, and you know what, you get 38 runs in the first inning. Right. And then you go, something's wrong. So the bottom of the first inning, let's change the rules. And you go, all right, well, we got new rules. They're fair. Everyone's going to be okay. But you already have 38 to nothing. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Now, whether or not the analogy is completely true, may or may not be. But that is the feeling. So, okay. you know, when you're dealing with somebody, understand they feel that way. hmm
0: Right. So, what? okay. So, if, if that's how someone feels. Yes. And let's just say, for the sake of the argument... Let's say there's 100% reason for them to feel that way. Okay. Okay. What is someone when they're up 38 runs to nothing to do to help that? Like what, what, in the church setting, like what, what is a pastor to do when that's the feeling?
1: Recognizing that the reason I'm winning so much is because I had a 38 run head start. Yeah. Just saying that. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you know, the other players on the other team may know, well, yeah, we can't really change the scoreboard. It's kind of what we got. Mm-hmm. But, okay, but we'll see if we can come back. We'll stay in the game. We'll fight it out. Mm-hmm. But when the other team that got that says, well, I don't know why you can't catch up. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm, see, I got a feeling that if we catch up, you're going to go back to the other rules.
0: Yeah. I think one of the fears that is present in the white experience is we're losing what we had. And some of the nostalgia about the good old days, uh, doesn't take into context what caused your days to be so good. And the reason they're so good is there is a hundred blessings out there and you got 98 of them. Right. Uh, And so there is a relinquishing of a quality of life that is happening and people don't like that. Um, even if what they're working towards Is a more just and fair system uh, All they feel like is they're losing You know And I actually get that I, I just think I
1: think the reality of it Is a lie What do you mean Well it, Well if you're talking about white and black folks Black folks aren't getting their stuff though Black, Explain. well, black folks still control what two percent of
0: the wealth of the country oh yeah yeah you, you know it's not like, yeah it's, it's it's just a perception you know yeah let me t- I, okay, I have a friend who um was up I can keep this pretty ambiguous who was up for a job okay and supervisors this is a white person okay. uh, supervisor was a white person right and um the supervisor said, honestly, we have to hire a minority minority for this position because of our policy. So uh, we wish you could get the job, but um, uh, we just can't hire you because of sure. that reason. And so that's one person who was able—who uh, can find other jobs and—okay. Okay. But in that one situation, he lost something that 30 years ago, that never would have been on the table. Sure. Now, to compare that <coughs> to the massive deficit for other people— uh, makes it almost pale in comparison. Sure, but for one person in that moment.
1: And if I'm in your story, I understand it. Yeah, at least I can have compassion on you. Yeah, I I could say, well, that's horrible. I know I would feel if that happened to me. Yeah, if if if, if I know you, if mm-hmm. if if I know your, if I know you know why you feel this way, I could feel that way. I can feel badly for you. Mm-hmm.
0: And if I if this was me in the story, I would say maybe now I know a little bit what you feel like because this is the first time that I got the short straw um, because of the color of my skin.
1: Um, You you know, and and the funny thing about it is that in that scenario, the big difference is is that usually, um, in in my experience, the white person will know that that's the reason they got the short straw okay with with African Americans, we never get to that conversation
0: what do you like you
1: don't even get, we just get the straw
0: and you have to create your own meaning to that
1: Yeah, we don't even know why it happened it 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 doesn't happen as much any anymore uh well I don't think
0: there i I read studies where someone applied for a bunch of jobs and took stereotypically black names and
1: Got none of them.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we never get to that conversation. Remember, uh, you, you know the whole story of track homes.
0: Uh, fill me in. Pretend
1: well, like I don't well, know. Well, in track homes, they, they start the track homes right after World War, one of the wars. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And, and, and black people literally couldn't buy them.
0: Yes. <laughs> I read a book about, yeah. You can apply. <laughs> But,
1: and, and until years, because we, I didn't, until years later, no one knew that you, you couldn't get a house. Did that, did you grow up around that? Yes, I did. Oh, man. Later on, yeah, absolutely. You didn't, you didn't know that. And then you, you started to find out that there were redlining and several other things, you know, if, if you went to the real estate agent, there were certain houses they could show you and certain houses they couldn't show you, and... You know, you just never got. You never got to that conversation. You didn't know. You just thought life was hard, man. Life was hard, man. This, is, I've seen a hundred houses. You know, you you not get one. You're thinking, man. I don't know. I got. You know, I have two degrees. Blah blah blah. Why can't I get a house? You never knew. You didn't get that. Oh man. You know, I would, but you know, these regulations say. You know, we got of. Yeah. You know, we never got that.
0: You know. Hmm. Wouldn't it be great if church would be a place where we could all bring our suffering and, in, to, in the reverse of Jesus' parable, of the talents? Some have ten, 10 talents of suffering, some have five talents of suffering, some have one talent of suffering. But we're all able to say, you know what? Th- this is what suffering looks like to me. And this is, th- the world is hard. Sure. And this is what it looks like for me. And it's not the same for you. Like sure. at our church, we have 70, 70 75 uh, refugees. Who, who are part of our church on any given Sunday wow. and they come uh, many are Congolese and so they come from a country that has been torn apart by gen- and so, wow. uh, so I, a buddy of mine who uh, grew up in Rwanda uh, left to go to the Congo during the, the Rwandan genocide um, he's up and he's doing the um, contribution last Sunday. And he goes, you know, God will bless you. You do this, and, and God blesses you. And when a white person says that, I get kind of uncomfortable. Like, you know what? This is kind of health and wealthy. People might think you give, and so you get something. And I'm right. like, dude lived through a genocide. <laughs> he's cool to say that. Like, Absolutely. He's, he's, uh, we're, we're because you put his suffering on the table, and my suffering on the table, and your suffering on the table. And like, shouldn't community of faith be places where we just live in that together and help support
1: one another? Absolutely. But, see, okay, for instance, let, let's say the st- statement you just made. Um, "Well, we help one another? Mm-hmm. That means two totally different things for us. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean for you? Okay, okay, if, if, if you said, okay, we ought to help one another. All right, uh, we're all broke. <laughs> yeah. Are you still going to help? Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about money. Um, mm. <laughs> you, know, uh, yeah. you know, we're talking about, see, it means two totally different things. Yeah, You know Because uh, I, I was thinking The other day About the present Political climate And um,
0: Because when you start Talking about money Like oh that gets re- Like you're serious About like We really need to Be friends Like and, and help out Right right Yeah Yeah Whereas it's nicer to say hey No no we're, we're gonna help Yeah But what is that actually Like the book of James Don't say Stay warm and well fed <laughs> Absolutely and, Absolutely Yeah okay Fair enough Okay what were you saying In the, the present well, well
1: in the present um, Political Political climate you know, I've been vocal. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really crazy about our our president, um, but it has very little to do with his with his politics, because we, at least not all, some African Americans, are much more concerned about things that have to do with survival
0: and home,
1: yeah. etc.
0: We we talked about this before. And Absolutely. You, and you said jobs and then dealing with traffic, wasn't trafficking a- sure. an issue that was... Absolutely.
1: A- That's a lot more important than some of the stuff that he yeah. thinks is important. Yeah, so.
0: Yeah. fair enough. You know. And so what is, what is a, a white person being a good friend helping look like in that situation? For, for me,
1: um, just personally, I, I, I usually don't look to my friends to bail me out of stuff. I just look for my friends to, to be there and support me and to be my friends.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I have, like I said, I have l- white friends literally across the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they'll call and pray for me and check on me or whatever. Um, and that's kind of
0: yeah.
1: what we do as friends. Yeah. Um. Uh. If they wanted to to help out the church with with uh, with giving some money to help with the with the ministry, all I'd say is that well, if you want to help the church, do it the same way you do it, do any other ministry. If you if it's if it's something you believe in, you think you think God will bless mm-hmm. the world through it. Give toward it. Yeah. If not, give to somebody else.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, but I don't I don't I don't like making requirements in my friendship. Yeah, I don't think it ought to cost you to be my friend you know um, whether it's and I'm not even talking about money I'm saying I don't think there should be some I don't know if you're my friend you will do thus and so for me mm-hmm. no we're just friends
0: yeah, yeah. alright so uh, you get 20 things you're going to say that white Christians need to know about black Christians
1: 20 is an arbitrary number but yeah
0: how is it arbitrary? Like it,
1: It's going to be arbitrary. Do you
0: not have 20 things written down?
1: It would literally be 40.
0: Well, then why don't you say 40?
1: Because I don't have time. I have 45 minutes But if you class. say you're going to do 20, <laughs> don't you need to give them 20? Well, I'll give them 20. It'll probably be more than 20. Okay. But I won't be dealing with all 20.
0: <laughs> okay. Give me, yeah. one, give me the one you're definitely going to deal with.
1: I'm going to definitely deal with um, the difference between um, the perception about black preachers and white preachers.
0: Okay. What's the okay? What do you understand to be the perceptional difference? Well,
1: one of them is that um, white preachers
0: are boring. Easy now. Easy now. <laughs> oh, not you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't know if you know this, I'm a preacher and I'm white. So come on,
1: man. And you're not boring. Hence my hence my point. Yeah. So, yeah. But, <laughs> hence my point. Yeah.
0: Okay. So there's a stereotype in the black community sure. that the white preachers are born uh or nice nice but you don't mean the word nice in a positive sense it's a pejorative sense
1: it depends on your perspective well you said you you, you did not say nice you didn't. they feel some feel that 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 the white preacher is going to be nice what what does that mean like it literally means nice
0: that's not what you're meaning. That's, that's that is what I mean. <laughs> I don't, when the word nice is typically used, just, dude, that's nice, man. And like, that's clean, like that's really good. Or it's oh. like the Mr. Rogers, that's very nice. But what you're saying is not either of those two definitions. No, it word. is not. What, like you're, he's, he or she is not going to say what they need to say?
1: Yes. Okay. But I don't know if it's need. They're just, they'll they'll be a, they'll be nicer. <laughs> okay, they won't say, uh, yeah, fornication is sin. Shouldn't do it. Okay. They'll say it nicer. Okay. In a way that's more easily palatable.
0: Okay. So th- they will water down the message because they don't want to step on toes.
1: They will. I don't know if it's watered down. See, I, I really, I mean, I don't know. If, I don't think it's watered down. I think they won't be as direct. Okay. Yeah, they won't be as direct.
0: And so that comes across, oh, you're just being nice. You're, I'm going to add some more words, like you're just playing you're, around. You're not you're being, being nice. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough.
1: Whereas the black preacher, they feel won't be
0: nice. Huh. There is There's a difference in the stereotypical style. Absolutely. Um, there is a there's this great movie start real kind of solemn, and slow and then you just kind of build and you give your like and, and that sort of climactic big expressive thing sure isn't always replicated in the white sure Preach. black preaching either yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah there's lots and lots of different styles yeah you know, that's the other thing we're going to talk about <laughs> yeah yeah. because that, to say yeah.
0: that, that, like this is the white side and the black style. No, there's no, there's a ton of them that kind of cross all over. Absolutely, you never. And here's kind of one of the problems when you say, "Oh, you're not like you're not even acting like a black guy." Right. You don't even sound like a black preacher. Right. Which I don't know if there's a a more offensive statement that it's one of them. It's it's yeah of the passive aggressive ones. I mean that's a pretty backhanded offensive comment.
1: Well, well, it's funny. Well, okay, for instance. Um, in my later years, there's a lot more grace in my preaching. A lot more. A lot more mercy and love in my preaching. Mm-hmm. Lots more. Um, um, and it, it's not because I'm emulating white guys, it's because that's where my study has taken me. Hmm. Um, but in the beginning of my preaching, you know, it was very confrontational. Very um, condemning Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and very um, based on response. What I mean is um, based on seeing immediate responses to the message.
0: As in people coming forward, people... Yes,
1: as in people coming forward either to ask for forgiveness, to repent, or to be baptized.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it was very much, you know, guilt-driven would be incorrect, but it was very much seeking to convict people.
0: When I was preaching in my early 20s, Uh, I started preaching every Sunday when I was nineteen. Nice, yeah. Uh, I don't know what you mean when you say nice anymore. I'm questioning how nice you really. Anyway, okay. I start, but my earlier preaching, a lot of it was summed down, summed up in one simple phrase: like y'all aren't taking this serious enough. And it was just there was a very critical, like you're you're not doing enough. the older I get, I, I, I think the call to discipleship is just as strong. Absolutely. But I don't find myself doing that in the same way, that condemning, uh, which sounds like that's a trajectory that you've gone on to. Right.
1: Well, and the reason I brought that up is because we were talking about styles, and I had a young lady, an older lady, um, come to me um, in one of our functions after I preached, and she says, that was a really good sermon, but you don't preach as good as you used to. <laughs> Out, but <laughs> well, I knew what she was saying. Yeah, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't send everybody who disagreed with me religiously to hell. I didn't. I didn't. You got to do that?
0: Did you have like a button or something? Oh, you're <laughs> going to hell. You're going. to hell. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Okay. So there's a stereotype um, that you're trying to to dismiss about uh, the different styles of preaching. Right. Uh, give me another one. What? Are, what's another one you're going to go? to? Well, um, concerning preaching. This. this Oh, okay. It's your floor. Um, Do what you want, man. <laughs> I'm just going to be nice.
1: You almost made me say something. <laughs> I'm glad I remembered I was.
0: <laughs>
1: um, oh, well, for instance, you know, uh, when you talk about the preaching I grew up under, um, we had two vastly different styles of preachers at our church. You had Aaron Hogan, uh, who, was, who was a living legend. And you had Calvin Bowers, who was a professor at Pepperdine. Okay. Aaron um, Hogan was more of a apologetic, argumentation, quote volumes of scripture, um, loud, loud, loud. Uh, mostly preacher. i um, told a lot of funny stories, but just amazing speaker. Hmm. Dr. Bowers was more of a lecturer, more of an academic. He told a lot of funny stories, too. But, you know, he very seldom got loud. Hmm. Very seldom. You know, he didn't what, you know, what you call African-American churches. He didn't hoop. You know, he had a sing song. None of that. He didn't hoop? Hoop.
0: Tell me more. You're, you don't hoop in, when you preach? No, I I mean, I, I don't hoop even when I'm not preaching. <laughs> the hoop is a call and response, oh, okay.
1: musicality, yeah. sing-song mm-hmm. uh, kind of of preaching. Um, so, you know, Dr. Bowers... You hey,
0: know, I've gotten literally two amens in the last 12 months. <laughs> so, no, I I don't really know about hooping. <laughs> well, um, well, hooping is not really
1: about amen. Ho- hooping is... What, what you would call in, in African-American homiletics, the celebration. Yeah. So, when, they, when, you, when, you're, when you're closing, uh, there'll be a celebration. Yeah. You know.
0: I know. I, I'm, yeah. I've, I've seen you preach. Yeah. Well. I, you, you hoop it up a little.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm just a, a minor hooper.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> a minor, minor hooper. Yeah. You know, you have guys who can just, you know, just, you know, next thing you know, it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But so, but, but, but Dr. Barnes, none of that, mm-hmm. you know, brother, brother Hogan, when he was closing his, you know, you, you, you felt like the apostles were speaking to you, you know, cause he just quote, you know, literally chapter upon chapter of scripture, you know, in a, in a staccato manner. Hmm. God sundry time man spake time passing and I followed by the prophets. Last day spoken unto us by his Son. I mean, he's going on and on and on no, and on, and everybody is following along with him, and you know, and yeah, Doctor Bowers, none of that, yeah, not kinda. Hmm. But they're both black preachers, yeah.
0: <laughs> and so to say the black preaching and the white preaching it would be disrespectful, right? Yeah.
1: Okay, I give you give you a good example for me. um Back in the day, um, this is back in the day, Jimmy Allen, mm-hmm. he could come to almost any black church and preach. Really? <laughs> yes.
0: Hold on, hold on. So, <laughs> yes. He could come, meaning Absolutely. there were not many white preachers who could. No,
1: white preachers could come, but he would come and they would be excited that he was coming. Hmm. Not because he was white, but because he could preach. Would he could just flat out kill it.
0: Okay, so people who don't know his style, did he sound, did he have a more traditional white preaching style than a quote unquote stereotypical black preaching style?
1: Yes, but ramped
0: up. Would he ramp up more in a, black, a stereotypically black church? I
1: don't know, because when we saw him, when I saw him in in white context, he was pretty convicting. Also, okay, so his... <laughs> just, you know, it, back then, you know. Wanted somebody that could get to the core of what was going on with you. Yeah. And he could just, yeah.
0: And I think that's good. I think that's almost a universal facet of good preaching. Like if, and I do too. If people have their inner feelings expressed verbally by someone else, you, you don't care who, who's saying it, where it comes from, what style it is. If they can read your mail... And they Absolutely. can help you understand that stuff inside of you that you're trying to process. Yes, we, we all connect to that. Yes. Okay, give me one more. We got to wrap up. Okay. Um, about which? You, just, you got forty now. Supposedly, <laughs> is that forty for both, or is it? Just, no, I'm, I'm saying the vice versa. You can say. Give me one more that you're excited about. Um. Let
1: me see. Uh. Oh. I'm excited about um, the difference between young African American Christians, meaning young adult Christians, and young um, white Christians. Okay. Um, in that, a lot of the assumptions we make about statistics. And we, we say young adults in the churches, young adults are leaving churches. Mm-hmm. It's really not true of African-American churches. Really? Really.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any research. I don't only have anecdotal yeah. kind of um, ideas. But some of it is because the connection of young adult um. Black and young adult children, um, kids is different.
0: Hmm.
1: It's different. Yeah.
0: Hmm. How so? Well,
1: it's my understanding, you may be able to help me out because you're Mr. Millennial anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, that that a lot of the, the problem with, with millennials with the church is that they don't find truth. They don't find um, relevance. Hmm. It's just kind of church. Well, for for black young adults, it's never been just church. Yeah. It's always been about community involvement. It's always been about, you know, it was more than that, always. Yeah. It was, it was never just pie in the sky. Yeah. So so it's different. Now, if you ask me, are African American young adults leaving the church? Sure. But the percentage of, of them leaving the church. It's the same as it's always been.
0: Yeah, it, whereas the white percentage is going <clears throat> yeah, up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's significant. So, so one of the criticisms of the the white church by the millennials is that y'all don't care about making a difference. Right. And as you're describing it, the black church has always had a greater emphasis on the things that, quote-unquote, matter um, to that demographic. I mean, they matter, of course, but you know what I'm saying. No, 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 no. I, no,
1: I, I think the difference is, is that Often in the black church, we were the people hurting. <laughs> um, you know, you, you know. Well, you know, you know. You know so, yeah. so it was like, well, yeah, these things matter because it's my cousin. <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I need to go help my cousin. You know. So it was. It was a yeah. little different. No reason. I I, yeah. I believe that's important. Is 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 not uh, to to make a a bad comparison is that it shows a difference in context. Yeah. Yeah, that. you know, it shows a difference in context. So so we see it as important as reaching a reach, reaching out, but we have to reach out because it's us often.
0: So one of the dynamics of the the young families that are typically coming to white churches are kids they grew up in church when they're 18 they checked out. Yeah. They now find themselves maybe married, maybe Definitely with kids. The right. kid is the main uh, issue here. Right. They think it was important for me to grow up with church. It's not important for me on my own to be a part of church, but I want my kid to have what I thought was important during my childhood. Right. So they're coming back because of their kids. Th- that's not. Yeah. That's is that that's not an issue for for the black church typically.
1: It, well, you, believe it or not. Um, what I've found here lately is, is. Often, many of the those that demographic in African American churches mm-hmm. often are doing the same thing, but they're not coming back to the home church.
0: As in, they're going to a similar church, or they're going as if
1: they're going to the big white church that has great, quick kids ministry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because you know it's, it's the same mm-hmm. process. So, so you know, when um, they come back, you know the resources do that level. What, what, I, and I hope this doesn't sound wrong. What I call Disneyland level. Children's ministry, where you come in and That's it's true. like, it looks all, is just like, great, you know, yeah. this kitty looking, you know, a lot of times the, the church they grew up in, which they still love, does not have that level of resourcing. Yeah. So, if they're deciding to come back for that purpose.
0: There's a church that does it. Yeah, they're consumers. They're more
1: consumers than companions.
0: Yeah. Right. And. In the churches of Christ, there's always a bigger church outside of the churches of Christ. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, there are bigger-sized ones in the churches of Christ. Absolutely. But but anyway, yeah, which makes us wonder about church growth and, oh, we got these new families, and, oh, we're getting more diverse, and, oh, we're reaching these—what's the big effect of that? Like, what is the long-term effect of that on the big C church, not just my little C church?
1: Well, it— it's because we have raised a generation of consumers, not disciples. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for the best this, the best that, for my children, for my family, for my wife, for my this, for my that. Um, church becomes a commodity as opposed to a calling. I, I'm not. I'm not a mission. I'm not a missionary to this world. Mm-hmm. This world is my home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I need to find the best uh, that I can consume. So I pick a church like I would pick a school, like I would pick a grocery store, like I would pick a movie. Which one is best for me? Instead of the church being a vehicle in order to live out um, the calling and mission of God in the world, the church is a commodity for my own personal spiritual growth growth and the well-being of my family. Come on now. And so therefore, when those when those families do come back, yeah, they don't leave the church, but they may leave our church. Yeah. yeah.
0: If if I was an amending type person, I would do that right now. <laughs> the closest I can do is come on now. That's come on now. that's what I got. <laughs> Fate, appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. This is always good. You you got a future in this. You, you know, <laughs> I think you're gonna make it. <laughs> All right, friends. Hope you enjoyed that one. Also, don't forget our sponsor for this episode, Podbean, the all-in-one podcast publishing and hosting platform. It's the easiest way to get started in podcasting. And Podbean's mobile app for Android and iOS allows podcasters to record and publish podcasts right from their phone. So go check it out. We'll see you next time. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norisworthy make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you back here next time.